Well, let's open with a word of prayer and we'll dig into the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. We ask now as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name we pray and all God's people said. Amen. Reminder, First Peter, written by Peter, of course, were words of encouragement in the midst of outward persecution. The early church was being persecuted. Christians were being uh, put to death, thrown in prison. And so 1 Peter was written to encourage them in their relationship with the Lord. Now, 2 Peter, in addition to the ever-growing persecution from the outside, there was also now false teachers on the inside. So 1 Peter was written, and just a few years later, he writes 2 Peter to combat persecution, but also inward corruption. So our persecution brought a fear of death and temptation to retreat. Here's what was happening. If, if, we, if they lined up down here at the bottom of the hill and they said, if you go to church today, we're going to come up there in a little while. We're going to arrest you all. We're going to feed some of you to lions. Some of us would get back in our car and leave. But that was what was happening. That was real life in the first century church. And so he was encouraging them in the midst of that to remain faithful. One of the things he says is this suffering is for but a little while. And praise God for that. But now that we get to 2 Peter, there's more of the false teaching that comes from within. See, if Satan can't get you through fear from the outside, he'll get you from false teaching on the inside. And that's why I always want, we will never put the words up. We don't have our screen this week because of the play, but we'll never put the words on the screen because I want you to read your Bible. Amen? And you know what? You need to make sure that I'm not making this stuff up. So you want to open it, read it, and obey it. So Peter's exhortation in the first is to just keep growing in your relationship with God, to continue to have a deeper relationship with him. And even as the heat is being turned up from the outside in persecution, even as the enemy attempts to undermine your faith from the inside with false teachers, when temptation comes to pull back, to go undercover or to walk away, and is in this very place is the greatest amount of growth occurs. Guys, a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And this is where we grow spiritually is when we go through the fire, when we go through the times of difficulty. So if you have your outline, grab it. Should have got one on the way in. I tell the message, and we're gonna, it's really part two of last Sunday, growing in faith and spiritual maturity. So last week, we saw the seven characteristics of maturing faith. You can see that on our website. Those will be referred to again. That's why I put them on here. Uh, we'll go, to, go through them in a little bit of depth uh, in the text. But the seven characteristics of someone who's maturing in their faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And this morning, three evidences of spiritual growth. Have you ever wondered if you're growing in your faith? You shouldn't have to wonder. If you're growing, you know you're growing. And if you're not growing, you know you're not growing. Amen? You should be more on fire for the Lord next week than you are today. That's my, my prayer every day is that I'm more in love with the Lord. To know him better is to love him more. That's why we spend time in the word of God because you get to know him better. But here's three things, three evidences of spiritual growth we'll see in this morning's text. First, fruitfulness. A faithful walk is a fruitful walk. The fruit of the Spirit is the work of the Holy Spirit we cannot produce in our own strength. It's not us trying harder to do better. Without him, we can do nothing, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? So, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to change how we live. It's going to change our priorities, our passions. Uh, we'll be convicted when we sin. We'll be comforted when we're hurting. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. And so spiritual growth will be met by fruitfulness. 
The fruit of the Holy Spirit is, a, is in the life of godly character. You know, if you have the Lord, you're going to, again, you're going to live different. Your priorities are going to change, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit will be evident in your life. We'll see that. Second, your vision will change. You know, it's so amazing that as I looked up the word vision, one of the words there for it is self-focused. It says some of them are short-sighted. You know what that means? That their eyes are always on themselves. It's always about me. My three favorite people, me, myself, and I, right? This whole word, this is where this whole thing of my truth comes from. There's no my truth and your truth. There's the truth. Amen. Amen. Well, my truth. You don't have a truth. There's the truth. Amen. You know why you have a truth? Because you think it's all about you. It's not all about you. It's all about him. Amen. And they're short-sighted. And you know what? We can all do this. We're all guilty of this. I'm guilty of this. And you'll, you'll admit that you are. Or you're a liar. There's times, there's times when you look at stuff and you only look at it and how it impacts you. Am I the only one? You see some, oh man, I don't like that. That's going to impact me. I don't like that. Oh, it's going to impact him. I'm not that worried about it, right? But that's what happens when we're short-sighted, when we're focusing on the temporal instead of the eternal. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Amen? So we're going to see again that too often people have an eye problem, right? They can't see. And then also the letter I, it's about me, myself, and I. We'll look at that. They're blind to the truth. And then finally, security. Oh, this is so important in the life of a believer. What is security? It's the assurance of, of your salvation. It's the fact that you know you're going to heaven. For Christians, heaven is not a hope so, it's a no so. When I meet people, I say, you're going to heaven. I'll say, I hope so. If you're hoping so, you have not really met Jesus yet. Amen. Because he made the promise to us. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be what? Saved. You'll be saved. You've been forgiven. He said on the cross of Calvary, it is finished. To Talistai, paid in full. The debt's been paid. So we're forgiven. When we stand before Almighty God on judgment day, he will look at us and see us through the shed blood of his son, redeemed, forgiven, adopted, accepted, chosen, and we're going to heaven. And guys, that's a reflection of somebody who has a relationship with the Lord is the confidence that we have in heaven. And you know what? As believers, we should be thinking about heaven more. We should live every day in light of eternity. The only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people. That's why it's not that big a deal if, you, if your car got dinged this week. Amen? Some of this stuff that we get upset about, some of these things that bum us out, you know, the gas prices, oh no. Look, we're, nobody's happy about it, but it won't matter in heaven. It's all going to burn. Can I get an amen? And that heavenly focus, setting your mind on things above, keeps you from being bummed out about stuff that just won't matter in heaven. Amen? So let's begin there looking at growing in faith and spiritual maturity. First, we're going to look at fruitfulness. 2 Peter chapter 1, picking up there in verse 8. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he says, if these things, what things is he talking about? The verses we just taught last week, and that's why they're on your notes, okay? Because we're going to go through them again. If you weren't here, and, and even if you were, we need to be reminded, amen? So he's saying, if these things are evident in your life, you won't be barren. Your life will abound, it won't be barren. We'll talk about those in a moment. So what are the things that we mentioned last week? If these things are evident in your life, if these things are a part of who you are in Christ, 
these things. First one is virtue. And I love this word. We don't, it doesn't get used a lot anymore. One of my favorite places you see it is in Proverbs 31, a virtuous wife. Her worth is far above rubies. The word virtue there means moral excellence. And it also means courage uh, to both live holy and to stand up for the truth. And I love virtue. It's, it's where you have a courage to stand up for somebody else and you have courage to stand up for the truth when nobody else will. But it also points to the fact that you walk in the obedience to the word of God. So virtue, we all need to have virtue. Then it says knowledge. That's a deepening and growing knowledge of him. You know, just knowing about stuff is okay, but the knowledge of him is what matters. Amen? You know, people know a lot of stuff about a lot of things and okay. But again, the stuff that really matters is our relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I can think of nothing sadder than somebody walking on this earth right now with no knowledge of the one who created him or her and the one who sent his son to suffer and die for him or her, who's offering free salvation and they have no idea. Nothing sadder than that. Amen. We are blessed to have knowledge of him. But that knowledge of him, the word gnosko there, it's to know by experience. And the way that we get to know the Lord is we spend time in his word and we spend time walking with him. And so if you want to know God better, spend more time in his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by? Amen. So greater love for him, increasing wisdom and discernment in how to live a holy and set apart life. Now again, coming from a time spent faithfully in the word of God. Your faith will grow if you, you know, read the book and don't wait for the movie. Amen. You open it, you read it, you obey it. This is God's love letter to you. He's not trying to keep you from fun. He wants to keep you from harm. So not only virtue and knowledge, but self-control. And that word there literally means one who masters his desires and passions, walks in godly discipline empowered by the Holy Spirit. We cannot have victory over our flesh in our own strength. Amen? You can't. So what happens is, with temptation, the Bible says God makes a way of escape. When we're tempted, the Holy Spirit will convict us. The Holy Spirit will give us the strength to walk away from that temptation. We can't do it on our own. Without him, we can do nothing, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So only when we are walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit can we have victory over the flesh. There's that spiritual battle you fight every day between the Spirit and the flesh. Which one, which one wins the battle? The one you feed the most. Amen? You know, if you, if you don't read your Bible for a month, and then you wonder, why am I such a mess? By the way, you're supposed to desire the word of God more than your necessary food. I know none of you have skipped food for a month. <laughs> Amen. We desire the word of God more than our necessary food. And so when we open the Bible, it's, and sometimes making time for it can be difficult. But where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And if, the Lord is, if you love the Lord, you're going to spend time with him. Amen. If I ignored my wife for a month, I might not be married. Amen. But yet we're married to the Lord. We're the bride of Christ. And we have, and with that self-control can only come from walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Then he says perseverance. Now these guys are being persecuted. Their, their faith is being put to the test. They're, being, they're in a position where they might be fed to lions, where they might be thrown into prison for their faith. And he says, but this is a fruit. This is an evidence of somebody who's walking with the Lord. Perseverance, one who exhibits steadfast endurance through difficulty, an un, 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 unswerving faith 
even in the greatest trials. You know who I like to listen to? Do you know who the pastors that I like to listen to online? Do you know those people whose commentaries I love to read? Those who have suffered greatly and have not wavered one bit. Amen? And we say it often, everyone used mildly in scripture suffered greatly. You can't show me an example that that's not true. And so suffering is an opportunity for us to grow spiritually if we will allow it. And again, a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. So this perseverance, who, someone who puts trust in God's sovereignty and he allows our trials for a specific reason, which is to grow us and to use us for God's glory. Then he says their godliness. This is a reference of respect and pi uh, piety towards God, a heart of worship toward him that is also reflected in our actions towards others. If you love God, truly love God, you will love people. Amen? Amen? Amen. You didn't even have your agape feast yet. You can't be napping. <laughs> right? If you love God, you will love people. Remember, they came to Jesus. Remember the, the religious leaders. We got 613 laws. Which one's the most important? What did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So it's love God and love people. As Christians, we should love God with, with reckless abandon and love people. People should know that you're a believer by how we love each other and how we love them. Amen? One of the things that was a, one of the 20 minute messages yesterday that really blessed me is the guy said, one of the problems in the church today is people in most churches are not very loving toward each other. And I was looking at the people sitting next to me going, that's not our church because we're love bombs in this place. Amen. Because you know what? Every time we get together, it's a family reunion. Amen. And when you have a family reunion, you greet people with hugs and you welcome people. And again, if it's your first time here, we just adopted you. You're in the family. Amen. If you come back next week, you just gave me permission to hug you. Even if you don't like hugs, it's coming. Amen. <laughs> but there's, there should be this, in godliness, there's a love for each other, a love for the Lord. And again, a heart of worship toward him and a passion for others. Then he says, brotherly kindness. The word there is phileo, where we get the word Philadelphia. It's a family love for the body of Christ. It's a supernatural affection. Again, every time we gather it's a family reunion. And then finally, the last word there is love. And that word is agape. And agape is a love, loving someone outside of yourself more than yourself. It's a selfless love. It's a love that gives. For God so agape the world that he gave his only begotten son. So it's a, it's a love that gives, a love that steams someone outside of itself. You know, you have the word eros. That is a selfish love. It's not love, it's lust. It's what can you do for me? And as soon as you stop doing for me, I get rid of you. And that's why there's so many divorces. Because people get into a marriage to see what the other person can do for them. When we get married, it shouldn't be what my wife can do for me, but what can I do for my wife? How can I love her and serve her and lay down my life for her? When each person has agape for the other person, that's a marriage that God will honor, God will bless, and God will use. Amen? Amen. And so that agape love needs to be there. Love, the, love that originates with God and flows through us. So he says, so here are the things. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And then he says, if these things are yours, if you have these things, 
Not saying that you're always perfect in these things, but if these are things that are evident in your life, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and this is a picture of your character, if this is what's reflected in you, if they're part of you, and it says in the King James, if these things be in you. So are these things in you? Peter's not speaking of these characteristics of maturing faith as mere outward rituals of religion or man-made attempts at achieving holiness. It speaks of these characteristics as being a part of the fabric of someone who has a relationship with God. Christian means little Christ, and we know we're not Jesus, and we never will be. There's two undeniable facts. There is a God, and you're not him. Amen? So you're not God. You'll never be God. You will not be God of your own planet, regardless of what Joseph Smith might have told some people. Amen? So none of that is true. There is a God, and we worship him and him alone, but... As we walk with him, we should become more like him. We'll never be him, but we can become more like him. Amen? And that's the exhortation here is that as we become more like the Lord, these fruits will be evidence of salvation. Here's where people struggle. Oh, I got to keep that whole list or I won't go to heaven. It's not a works-based salvation. It's not faith or works or faith plus works. It's faith that works. Amen? So it's all built on faith that produces good works. Good works won't save you. Because if it did, the people knocking on your door every week to tell you a false gospel would be going to heaven based on their works. Amen? So good works don't save you, but salvation should produce good works. Amen? If you love people, you're going to treat them like you love them. If, you're, if you have a relationship with God, it'll be evident in your behavior. Godly character is not something we achieve, but a reflection of who we are in Christ. Does it not blow you away that the spirit of the living God lives inside of you and he will never leave you nor forsake you? Amen. Guys, you got to be excited about that. Amen. That when you drive by and it says gas 750, say, Holy Spirit in me, I'm good. Amen. <laughs> it's okay. Can't take the Holy Spirit from me. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. We are in Christ and his character is in us and it is a part of who we are and something we possess. If these things are yours and abound, it says there in verse eight, these things are yours and abound. The word abound there in the original language means to superabound, to exist in abundance, to increase, to multiply, to grow. As believers, we should be growing more and more in love with the Lord the more time we're with them. I've been married to my wife. She's down in children's ministry, so I'll, I'll say things that would embarrass her because she gets mad when I do that when she's here. She's down loving on the kids. But we've been married 37 years, and I love my wife multiplied a thousand times more than the day we got married. I am so blessed that she's my wife. She has gifts I don't have. I can't even imagine living my life without her. She is my better half in every way. I love my wife. Well, guess what? If you get married and your love fades from the, from the wedding day on, that's not good. It should be growing, Amen. And as believers, the same should be true. But here's what happens. Sometimes the new believers all fired up for God and all people say, well, he's a new believer. He'll calm down. <laughs> as maturing believers, we ought to calm up. Amen. We ought to be getting more excited about who we are in Christ because to know him better is to love him more, to have that promise of eternal life. And the trials that we go through in this life, doesn't it bring peace? Because, you know, look, I'm almost 60. And so I've gone through a little bit more in my life than when I got saved when I was five years old, right? But now as I continue to grow my relationship with the Lord, as I continue to go through trials, 
burying your own son, 28 years old, things like that, that are just could not do without the grace of God. But because I know who I am in Christ, and because I know who my son is in Christ, and because he sent his son to die, I know I'm going to see my son again. That's the God that we serve, and it gives us an eternal perspective, and we can have joy in the midst of the greatest trials because of him. Amen? Amen. And that's where, we, where it is. It's like, look, we need to abound in this. It should be flowing out of us. This is a lot of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bush. Oh, no. <laughs> Amen. Don't let Satan it out. Amen. <laughs> Sunday school is good stuff. Amen? Amen. But the reality is we should be glowing in the dark for Jesus <laughs> because we live in the dark. Amen. How many speakers, Brad, how many speakers yesterday talked about people moving to Idaho and Texas? Eight out of 11 or 12. Yeah. They're all like, yeah, half our church moved to Idaho and Texas. If you, and we have some people here that have moved to Idaho and are visiting, and we love you and God bless you, but we need some Christians to stay here. Amen. This is a mission field. Amen. We should get some people from Uganda to come here and witness to our people. Amen. <laughs> Amen. This is a mission field. We're trying to go to the mission field. We live in it. But if it abounds in us, it should be increasing. We should be growing in the Lord. And this godly character should not only be in us and a part of us, but should be growing in us. We should be more in love with the Lord tomorrow than we are today. And that only happens if we spend time in his presence. Godly faith and character is not something we ever fully accomplish. We never arrive. We've, I've told you this a hundred times. One more won't hurt. We're justified at salvation just as if we've never sinned. We're being sanctified. The word sanctified is set apart unto the Lord. We're being sanctified until the day we're glorified, and that won't happen until we get to heaven. So justified, that's paid in full, it's done. But now we're in that process of becoming more and more like our Savior, and we never arrive. It's never uh, uh, something we fully accomplish. It's something that should could be an ongoing thing that takes place in our life, becoming more and more like our Savior. Amen? Now, what notice he says here, if these things abound in you, that's wonderful, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you indeed are one who not only possesses godly character, but one who is abounding, increasing, and multiplying, and growing, you will not be barren. Now, the word barren here, I'm just pulling up in the original language, and here's what it means. You ready? Inactive, unemployed, lazy, useless, slow. You will not be inactive, unemployed, lazy, useless, or slow. There's a whole generation that needs to hear that verse. Amen. Just saying. And, they, and my parents talked about my generation that way. It's the way it is. Every, everybody I knew when I was 15 had a job. Everybody. Everybody. We all worked in fast food restaurants for $2 an hour. It's true. But laziness is a sin. Did you know that? It's in the Bible. Next to wisdom in the book of Proverbs, the next thing it talks about is diligence. Being diligent for the things of God. Sitting back and doing nothing. You know, there's nothing worse than a saved soul and a wasted life. Amen? We don't want to be satisfied with just sitting on the sidelines. Someone once said to me, you know, the, the church and, and Christianity is kind of like a football game. You got 22 people out there beating each other to death and 80,000 people sit on the stands watching. Amen? And the reality is that as believers, God has gifted you and God has called you and he's uniquely gifted you. 
You have gifts that I don't have, and I may have gifts that you don't have, and that's how the body of Christ functions, amen? And he's saying, look, if you're walking in the Spirit, you won't be lazy. If you're walking in the Spirit, you won't be inactive. If you're walking in the Spirit, you won't be useless. You won't be slow. Hope that doesn't count running to first in softball or I'm in trouble. <laughs> These are not reflections of godly character, but they're evidences of being void of it. If we are in that position where we just sit back and want to do nothing. Now see, if Satan can't take you to hell with him, he wants to render you ineffective for the kingdom of God until you get to heaven. So if he can't get you to follow him, he wants you to keep from getting other people to follow Jesus. Now, only God can save people. We can't save them, but we are called to share our faith. Amen. Not to hide that light under a bushel. The great commission to go therefore in all the world and preach the gospel. When you show up at work tomorrow, the Holy Spirit just entered the building. Amen. When you're in the grocery store, wherever you go, aren't you glad somebody loved you enough to tell you about Jesus? Amen. Most selfish thing we can do is go to heaven by ourselves. So these are not reflections of godly character, but evidences of a life that is void of it. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is not produced by sitting on the sidelines. Look, I know some of you might say, well, Pastor Dave, I, I'm, not like a, I'm not like a public speaker like you. And I wasn't a public speaker until God called me. And then I got out of my comfort zone and only by the grace of God can I do this, right? And so here's the reality. When God calls you, God will equip you, Amen. And we don't want to get out of our comfort zone. But again, as you hear me say often, nowhere in the Bible does God say he wants you to be comfortable. And yet that's everybody it strives to. My, my age group, a lot of the co-workers are, are retiring now. They're in their mid-60s and retiring. And here's what they always say. Well, I, I want to wait till I can retire. Comfortable. But nowhere in the Bible does it say we're supposed to be comfortable. That's why he sends the comforter, because we're supposed to be uncomfortable. Amen? <laughs> Amen? You don't need a comforter if you're comfortable. You only need a comforter when you're uncomfortable, amen? And so we need to recognize that being comfortable is the enemy of being in the center of God's will. Now, I'm not saying you have to sleep on beds of nails and, you know, eat, eat dirt. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that, guys, we want to go beyond just, you know, look, people say this to me all the time, you know, they don't get it. Co-workers, people like that, I go, so when are you going to retire from the church? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Amen. I want to be like Pastor Chuck in his, I think he was in his late 80s, taught on Sunday, went to heaven on Tuesday. I'm, I'm down for that program right there. Amen. <laughs> Finishing strong for Jesus. Amen. I don't get it. Yeah, I'm retiring. What are you going to do instead? Yeah, exactly. Serve. Go lay on the beach. You could do that between messages. Amen. But we don't retire. Amen. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't retire from you? We don't retire from Jesus. Amen. Giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. It says a faithful walk is a fruitful walk. The Bible says by your fruit, they shall know you. The Bible tells us in Galatians 5, 22, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy peace and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and long-suffering. It goes through the whole list there, and that's evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And to Him be all the glory. But if those are things we struggle with, then we all do as believers. Look, as Christians, are we sinless? What's the answer? No. If you say you're sinless, you're prideful and you're lying, so you're a sinner right now. Amen? <laughs> but as Christians, we're not sinless, but we should sin less. 
And we view sin in a different way. And where before we were saved, we ran to it and we enjoyed it. Now we're grieved by it and it drives us to our knees. Amen? Amen. We get convicted. And Lord, I want to stand right with you. Growing godly character on the inside is reflected in diligence and faithfulness on the outside. His divine nature, the Holy Spirit within us, is pouring out of us. See, that's what we want. Because the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit in three ways in Scripture. He's either with you, in you, or upon you. It's in the Bible. You can see the... the and, and so with, he's with everyone, but they're not saved yet. He's out here. And the world... And this is Pastor Day's position on this, and some will disagree with me, and that's okay. But, but the, when people say, well, my conscience... You know, my conscience wouldn't allow me to do that. Well, guess what? You don't have a good conscience because nobody does because we're all sinners. Amen? So if you're convicted about anything, even before you were saved, it's the Holy Spirit out here. Amen? There's only way you know right from wrong is Him. But you're still not saved yet. But here's what happens. When you give your life to Jesus, the Spirit goes from here to here. And He never leaves. Amen? And now you walk with the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. But the Bible not only talks about the Spirit being with you and in you, but it talks about Him being upon you. It can be referred to as the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And we know this because in Luke, Luke, the Lord says to the apostles, He breathed the Spirit in them. And then He tells them, go and wait. And not many days from now, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. So this happened and this happened later. And what happened? Peter over here, even with the spirit in him, denied the Lord. Cursed and said he didn't know him and ran away and hid. Holy Spirit upon him, 40 days later, got up and preached the gospel to that same crowd of people and 3,000 people get saved. Guys, my dad said, if you want to call it the baptism of the spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, call it whatever you want, just get it. Amen. Jesus said, of men born among women, there's none greater than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist said, I must decrease that he might increase. So no, if you're the greatest person who ever lived, and you're not because it was John the Baptist outside of Jesus, because Jesus said so. Amen? <laughs> but if you're not, and even if you think you are, there still needs to be less of you and more of him. Amen? Every morning, you need to wake up and say, Lord, less of me today. Fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Pastor, how long do you pray for that? Every day. Because we leak. Amen? We need to be filled again. So barrenness is idleness and laziness and inactivity should have no part in the lives as men and women of godly character. And such barrenness is fruit of self-centeredness and faithlessness. We live in a time, you know, 2018, I think it was, the word of the year was selfie. Does that give you an idea where we're headed? Look at me, here I am again, here I am over here, here I am again, here I am again. Look what I'm having for breakfast, nobody cares. <laughs> Here's another picture of me, this is another picture of me. I'm gonna pout my lips out like a fish, I don't get it. <laughs> another picture of me. There's people that take more pictures of themselves than the number of times my parents looked at me in my lifetime. <laughs> it's just. It's all about me. And then how many followers do I have? And how many likes did I get? And how popular am I? If any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up the cross and follow me. It's not about you. Now, the Lord loves you. 
You are his treasured possession, and you should know that. You should not feel like you're of no value. You're of great value. You're determined value by what someone's willing to pay, and this is what our Savior paid for you because he loves you. Amen? So you're valuable to the Lord, but we should not be focused on ourselves. You've heard me say it, Jesus, others, yourself. That's joy, right? Jesus first, others second, yourself last. And as we'll see in a moment, most people have yoge, right? Because it's all about them. It's all about me. Godly character produces selflessness and a sense of urgency in reaching out to minister to others. Somebody said something yesterday I'd never heard before, and I loved it. He said, we need to take advantage of every opportunity because opportunities expire. I like that. Because that opportunity today you might have to share your faith with somebody, that opportunity may never come back again. And the enemy will often tell you, just wait till you see him next time. In, in, in 1987, been a long time, I still remember, I had a good friend I worked with, I was in my early 20s, and we had talked about the Lord a lot. And he finally said, hey, Dave, tomorrow let's get lunch and I'll let you just fully explain it to me. Because it was always in passing, it was always between appointments. And so I had a, a, a lunch set with this, this man who we both played college football, so we really hit it off. And we were talking to each other. And he said, yeah, tomorrow... I'm not going to schedule an appointment this afternoon. Well, let's sit down. You can open the Bible. You can explain it to me, and you can talk to me about what it means to be a Christian. That was on a Wednesday. Tuesday night, he was in a car accident, and he was killed. And we never had that conversation. Opportunities expire. Amen? So when that divine appointment comes, let's be faithful to it. The enemy will tell you to wait. Right? If he can't tell you no, if you don't, won't believe no hell... If you won't believe no heaven, if you won't believe no salvation, he might get you to believe no hurry. But there needs to be a sense of urgency in our hearts. It's so tragic. Barrenness has no impact on eternity. It brings harm to the name of our Savior. It's a reflection of one who is either unsaved or has no real depth in their knowledge of the word. But to know him is to love him and to know him is to live for him. And so a barren walk produces no fruit. But it says there, it speaks of the knowledge of Jesus Christ and, and the unfruitful. It speaks of the unfruitful, the barren nor unfruitful. Unfruitful without fruit, without yielding what it ought to yield. Fruit of the Spirit is the work of the Spirit and we cannot produce it ourselves. But it is produced as we yield ourselves to the Lord. John 15 says, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me will bear much fruit. So if you take a dead branch and you've grafted into him, the vine, then that vine, that branch will bear fruit. But if you're not grafted into him, you're a dead stick on the ground. Amen? And so if we're not grafted into the Lord, our lives will not bear eternal fruit. They cannot because he is the source of it. And praise God for that. We need to be grafted into him. So how do we bear fruit? It says in John 15, abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of it of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do. That's where that verse comes from. He's saying you abide in me because if you're not abiding in me, you can't do anything. If we're abiding in him, we will be diligent. Our knowledge of him will produce godly character. Our lives will be both faithful and fruitful. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, again, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is reflected in the life of godly character. So are you growing in spiritual maturity? Are you living a life 
of godly character that reflects the power of the Holy Spirit within you. Somebody went to your next door neighbors on both sides and said, give me three words to describe your neighbor. I would hope Jesus would be in there somewhere. Amen? We asked your coworkers, Tell them, give me three words about, about your coworker. Hopefully they would mention the Lord. Are we living lives of godly character that reflect the power of the Holy Spirit? Or are we living lives of barrenness and idleness and laziness and inactivity and fruitlessness that reflects a lack of real fruit and a lack of a truly deep knowledge of the Lord? If we truly believe, and an unbeliever said this, he said, if Christians truly believe what they say they believe, then they should tell everybody. And yet often there are people who spend an entire lifetime telling nobody. And that's tragic. If your life is not bearing fruit, it is time to get grafted into the vine. The one and only true source of bearing fruit and living a life of godly character. So point number one there of three evidences of spiritual growth, we saw fruitfulness. The second one is vision. Look at verse nine. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness, has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. These things, what things? Faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. If those things are not evident in your life, it means you're short-sighted, you're even spiritually blind, and that's what he's saying here in the text. One who lacks godly character and Christian growth lacks vision. The Bible says this, that if the pastor lacks vision, the people will perish. There's no vision for, the, for a fellowship or for a church, then the church will not grow and people's lives won't be changed. Now, people ask me all the time, I've been a pastor 34 years, they'll say, what's your vision for ministry? It's really six words. Preach the word, love the people. Amen? We want to make sure everything we do here is focused on the Lord. It's going to have the teaching of God's word and an opportunity for us to love on each other, to minister to each other, to fellowship with each other. Amen? But there needs to be that vision for the body. And there needs to be that vision in our own walk with the Lord. Because again, for a lack of vision, the people perish. Every believer needs to have vision. A lack of fruit, a lack of diligence, a lack of godly character is a life that lacks vision. It's short-sighted even unto blindness. Nutritionists, nutritionists tell us that, di that diet can affect your vision. What are you feeding on? Netflix? <laughs> Being entertained by the world all day? Desire the word of God more than your necessary food, amen? We need to be people of the word. Again, one of my Favorite pastor is John Corson. He's lost, he lost his wife. Ten years later, lost his daughter. Ten years later, lost his son. Didn't lose them. He knows where they all are. Shouldn't use that. They all graduated to heaven. And that brother remains faithful. And people come to him and say, Pastor John, I want to have faith like you. He says, you can. Just read the Bible as much as I do. Amen? We're as close to God as we want to be. When you read the word, doesn't it impact you? We're not reading Moby Dick. Amen? This is not... This is the living, breathing word of God. Almighty God, can you imagine if you went home this afternoon and a meteorite landed in your backyard and you, oh, and you went into the middle of it and you opened it up and this thing was, was blazing and it said a letter from God for Dave. How quick could you read that? <laughs> and would you put it in the shelf and let it collect dust? I don't think so, amen? Would you be running around looking for it and on Sunday morning? Can't remember where you put it. When I was a youth pastor, kids would leave their Bible in youth group. I would put it in my desk and see how long it took them to come looking for it. Amen? But the point is he did that. He wrote it down. It's right here. 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible tells us that the unsaved person is in the dark because Satan has blinded him. People are spiritually blind. Have you ever talked to somebody about the Lord in such a simple way and you can't figure out why they don't get it? Amen? You, you just lay it. Here it is. This is what, this is what it says. I, I don't think so. No, this is what the Bible says. No, I'm, I'm non-binary. Call me Zizé. No, no. God made us male and female. Amen? God created the heavens and the earth in six days. Evolution is a lie from the devil. Amen? See, a marriage is a man and a woman. God said so, and you can't change it. Amen? See, Genesis is under attack because that's the foundation of the truth. And so people are trying to create their own truth. And we need to pray for these people because the Lord loves them. The Lord died for them. And we need to love them too. Amen? We're one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. We're no better than anybody else. Amen? But it's just tragic to see what happens when this is not your foundation. If you don't believe the truth, you'll fall for a lie every time. Amen? He's blind to the truth. No real understanding of life and eternity. A person must be born again before his eyes can be opened. He can only, true the, only see, truly see the kingdom of God. But after our eyes are opened, it is important that we increase our vision and we see all that God has for us. The word short-sighted there in King James is cannot see afar off. Well, that's me right now. Bad. Thank you, Jesus, for glasses, Okay. I am blind as a... If these break, I'm not driving to work tomorrow. It's that bad, okay? But you know what? The Holy Spirit is our glasses to truth, amen? Because we were blind beforehand, and now we have the Holy Spirit, and we're not blind anymore, amen? And praise God for that. It's, it's, it literally means, I looked in the original language, some, it's a picture of somebody closing or squinting their eyes because they're unable to see. That's me when my glasses are missing. You do this thing to try to. <laughs> Picture here is one whose only focus is on the things closest to him. I only focus on me. It's all about me. I look at here. Everything else is walking by me. I don't even notice it because I'm focused on myself. Can't see anything beyond his own needs, his own comfort, his own will, his own calling is focused on himself. He sees his needs, his needs at home, but has no vision for a lost world. Sees life and the world around him from his own eyes instead of through the eyes of the Lord. You know, one of the things I pray often is, Lord, help me to see the world the way you do. Help me to love people the way that you do. You know, give me a, a divine perspective today. Give me an eternal perspective today. He's got an eye problem. He focuses usually, again, on his three favorite people, me, myself, and I. Jesus admonished us, his, his disciples, said, lift up your eyes and look for the field, on the fields, for they are white already for the harvest. The church today and most Christians are far too short-sighted, far too focused on ourselves, and not enough in desperate need of the desperate needs for those around us. People will call our church, and I love when they do, but they'll call and say, tell me about your place. So what kind of, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of music you got there? Of uh, the kind that worships Jesus, that's the kind we got. Well, do you have a full band or half a band? What do you got? You know, how comfortable are the seats? Is there a youth group for my kids? Do you have this? Do you have that? I'm like, are you a consumer or a Christian? I'm just trying to figure out what's going on here. <laughs> are we shopping at the mall? I mean, what are we doing? Because here's the thing. If Jesus was here, would you worry about the chairs? 
Would you be, well, we'd be on time. <laughs> Just saying. You know who's always on time? The new people. There's a bunch of new people here for the first time. They were all on time. <laughs> Pastor Day pet peeve, sorry. <laughs> but if Jesus was here, by the way, he's here. Amen. Amen? And too often it's people bounce from church to church because, and I tell people this too, there are people that will visit here and they'll visit other places and they'll say, I don't know where to go. I said, you'll know when you're home. You'll know when you're home. When you come and go, yeah, this is it. This is where I belong. And you know what? All the other churches, we're all on the same team. We're not in competition with anybody. Amen? Amen. We don't care which boat you get in, just get in once you get to shore. Amen? <laughs> From the sinking ship. You don't have to be this one, but get in one. Amen? And people come to me, and they're, if they're heavy into like politics, I'll send them over to churches heavy into politics. I'm okay with that. It's okay. Amen? But that being said, we need to find a church home and get planted in it. I met a guy yesterday that he walked up and he said, hey, do you remember me? And I, I said, well, not really. He goes, yeah, I, I visited a church like seven years ago and I, I, you know, I heard you speak today. And I said, oh, okay. I said, where are you fellowshipping? I think when I went to your church last time I went. <laughs> Dude, you're anemic, bro. <laughs> you're a spiritual bulimic, man. You need to eat. Can I get an amen to that? Bro. How'd you feel about today? Today was amazing. Guess what? We do this every week. <laughs> Multiple times a week. Amen? It's tragic. Spiritual blinders. Open my eyes, Lord. I want to see Jesus, to reach out and touch him, and to show him I love him. Song lyrics that I love. Lord, open our eyes, first and foremost, to who you are and all you've done for us. And to the truth of all the desperate needs around us, show me, Lord. Lord, help us to get our eyes off of ourselves, to look to you and see the world through your eyes, to get our eyes off of the temporal and put it on the eternal. Remember Elisha? They were surrounded. And he had a servant, and a servant was panicking. His name is Gehazi. Gehazi's panicking, and then Elisha says, Lord, can you just open his eyes for me, please? And he opens his eyes, and what does he see? He sees chariots of fire surrounding the enemy with angels. See, we need to set our mind on things above. We need to have an eternal perspective. See, the times when I can, can function well is when I focus on where my son is. And when I struggle is when I focus on where he's not, which is in our house. And there's still times that I look in that recliner of his, and it just kills me. But you know what? At the same time, I remember where he is. And that first hug in heaven is going to wipe out all the pain between now and then. Amen? Amen? So guys, it's that eternal perspective that changes everything. Let's set our mind on things above. We need to open our eyes to the truth because we don't want to walk in blindness. It is a tragedy to be spiritually nearsighted, but it's even greater to tragedy to be spiritually blind. People are spiritually blind today. They will not open their eyes to the truth. They will believe any lie that comes from the enemy, but they want no part of the truth. Deconstructing my faith. Have you heard of this? Ex-evangelist. And there's all these people that are deconstructing their faith. I'm going to tell them, you don't, you're not deconstructing your faith. You're just admitting to the fact that you never had faith. Because if you truly know the Lord, you wouldn't leave because there's no better place to be than with him. Amen. Amen. There's nothing the world has to offer. 
even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his sins. Blindness to, to lack these godly characteristics, to live a life that is barren and fruitless, and to fail to grow spiritually, and to still consider yourself a spiritual person. Before I pastored here, I pastored a church in Santa Cruz. I grew up there, so I can talk bad about my own, but Santa Cruz means Holy Cross. But if you live there, it was the tofu tie-dye New Age lesbian capital of the United States. It, was, it, it made San Francisco look conservative. And I pastored a church there on purpose. Because what better place to take a light than the darkest place around? Amen? And the sad thing is that people are so spiritually blind. You share the truth with them, and it just breaks your heart. But they would, here's what they'd say. Oh, you're a pastor? I'm spiritual. What does that mean? They'll go, well, you know, I just, I, I'm just a very spiritual person. What does that mean? That's always my response. What does that mean? Well, I just believe and, you know, I, I, you know, I'm one with nature. You know, mother nature. The earth is not my mom. Can I get an amen to that? And I'm not one with nature because nature's fallen. Amen? We're one with Jesus. Amen? With the creator of the universe. We're not spiritual. We're Christians. I don't even like using the word God that much because God can mean Buddha. Amen? Hare Krishna, Hinduism, whatever. I, there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. What is that name? Jesus. That's the name. We should be unashamed of it. Amen? I don't like being called a Christian. I like being called a follower. No, I'm a Christian. I'm unashamed of that. Amen? I love being called a Christian. I love being recognized in it. And I don't deserve to be, but I'm thankful that I'm identified with Jesus Christ. Guys, there's no better place to be. Amen? Forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins, having forgotten the depths of God's grace, his own desperate need. We are to grow spiritually. We must never lose sight of the depths of our own depravity, the depths of God's grace that redeemed me, the knowledge of what we've been cleansed from, the price our Savior paid to redeem us. We're going to take communion in a few minutes. And when we do it, we do it in remembrance of the greatest act of love in all of human history. And we must never lose sight of it. it should cause us to abhor what we once were. We should love God and hate sin, amen? Don't make excuses for your sin. Don't do it. When confronted with sin, you can do one of three things. Make excuses, accuse others, or repent. You get pulled over on the freeway driving 80 and a 55, shocker, why did I get pulled over? <laughs> then you're upset. The guy comes to the door, everybody else is driving the same speed as me. And you make excuses and accuse others. You know what you should do? I was wrong, shouldn't have been doing that. Hand me the ticket, amen? And pay it with a smile on your face and thank the officer for his service, amen? So vision, to see the word, see the world and, and character and in our salvation through God's eyes, not our own. We see the world through God's eyes. We see our character through God's eyes. Finally, security, and then we will get to communion. It says in verse 9 and 10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I have a seven-word 401k. Well done, now, good and faithful servant. Amen? That should be our focus. We should live every day. Brethren, even more diligent, how can you make our calling and election sure by living a holy and set-apart life? Now, Living holy doesn't save you. Living holy is proof that you're saved. Amen? 
and we'll never be perfect and we'll never be in a place where we never sin, but we should sin less and it should be evident in our life. And it says there, be even more diligent in your pursuit of the Lord. When I was courting my wife, I was diligent. <laughs> diligent. I'll tell you a story I've never told anybody. <clears throat> my wife had a date with another guy on New Year's Eve and I went over to her house and said, you're calling that guy and breaking that? Are you doing that? <laughs> I'll wait right here. And, and, and here's the part that's going to blow your mind. So we went out to dinner. We, had, we, were, we, had, we were supposed to get married earlier, and then we had issues with the wedding because her parents didn't know the Lord and wanted a bunch of alcohol, and I wasn't having it, and they didn't want my dad to do it, didn't want to, all that kind of stuff. So we hadn't really talked. She had a date with another guy. I went over her house and said, we're not doing that. We went out to dinner, and I was talking to my friends. I said, I'm tired of fighting over this wedding thing. It's ridiculous. I don't want to do that anymore. She said, me either. I said, you just want to go get married right now? She said, yeah, we went and got married that night. So she had a date with another guy and married me instead. <laughs> diligent, that's my bride, amen? So guess what? I should be more diligent in my pursuit of the Lord. Amen? More diligent in my pursuit of him. You're going to walk up to my wife at, at the coffee feast. She's going to go, what did he say? We are to continue to diligently pursue not only a deepened faith in Christ, but the fruit of faith, good works. James 2 says, for the body without the spirit is dead, and, and so faith without works is dead. Again, it's not faith or works or faith that works, it's, or faith plus works, it's faith that works. It says to make your call and election sure. When, when so many were falling away, so many were being tempted. Remember, he's writing this letter and some are checking out because they could be fed to lions. Some are being under persecution or saying, I'm just not going to identify with Christ anymore. And he's exhorting them to make their election sure. How could they be sure that they were truly saved? What should they do to keep from falling into the same trap? What should we do? While we profess our faith unto salvation in his progression of our faith, that is the fruit of salvation. Again, it's that sanctification process. The evidence and assurance that I've been saved is that I continue to grow in my relationship with the Lord. Too many people walk in aisle, pray a prayer, put a get out of hell free card in their wallet and go live like the world and think they're saved. I've done hundreds of funerals. And every time I've done a funeral, everybody thinks the person that died is saved. And certainly that's our hope for everyone. Amen. That being said, they'll say, yeah, well, you know, he did this, 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 this. But when he was nine, he went forward at a, a Bible camp and I tried, well, well, I hope he's saved. Only God knows that's not my job to judge. But guys, I wouldn't want to stand before Almighty God on Judgment Day, having lived 75 years, trusting in him. When I was nine years old, I walked down and prayed a prayer, but I never lived one day for the Lord. Amen? And so we need to have true salvation and sincere repentance will result in a transformed life. It is that transformed life, progression of faith, and growing godly character that is the assurance of our salvation. It says there at the end of that, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. So if you have, if you have virtue, self-control, and again, it doesn't mean you'll never sin. It's a different word, but the word stumble there means, you know, you, back in the 70s, we used to call it backsliding. Anybody ever heard of that term before? He's backslidden. I always imagine him sliding down a hill on their back, right, in the mud right? He slid away. But people backslide, walk away. And if you're truly saved, you won't walk away. Be assured, keep from falling, keep moving forward. Last verse there in verse 11, Peter's exhortation is not only to keep moving forward, but to keep looking up. Amen? 
We'll close with this. When I was a youth pastor, I used to tell my youth group kids all the time, did it for 15 years. I still love teenagers to this day on purpose. I love teenagers. But I'd always tell them, if I can get you to quit doing this and start doing this, amen? We're bummed out when we're doing this. We're bummed out by the politics. We're bummed out by what's going on in the world around us. We're bummed out by the gas prices. We're bummed out by inflation. We're bummed out by how far people... But you guys, when we look up, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will always be on the throne and he was always faithful. And there is a day coming when we're going to leave this life behind and we will rule and reign with him forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. And we should, and guys, I've read the end of the book. We win. <laughs> the word there, abundance entrance, let me leave it this, because you know what it refers to? It's a, a choral entrance. It literally, when a Roman conqueror would win a, a battle and they would line up and they would, they would, play music as they entered in. Do you know there's a glorious entrance coming for us? Amen. Not that we deserve. Probably heard this story and then I will truly close and we'll go to um, communion. There was a man who had served in the mission field for about 50 years. And at the end of it, it was quite a while back, he was returning home on a ship. And he thought after 50 years, he'd get some kind of a greeting. When the ship pulled up, he saw there was a band there playing music and all these people were gathered. And for a moment, he thought it was for him. And then he found out that there was a senator or some kind of a politician on the boat who had come and actually nobody greeted him. And he was walking home distressed, carrying his bag with him. And a voice from heaven just spoke to him in his heart. And he's like, I just thought somebody would greet me. I've been faithfully serving the Lord for 50 years. You know, what kind of homecoming is this? And what he heard in his heart was, you're not home yet. Amen? That homecoming's coming. We might be rejected here. We might be mocked here. We may be persecuted for our faith here, but there's a day coming when we're going to stand before Almighty God. And he's going to say, enter in my, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant, if we've been faithful. Amen? So in closing, growing in faith and spiritual maturity, three evidences, faithfulness, Fruitfulness, excuse me, a faithful walk is a fruitful walk. Vision, having an eternal perspective. And then finally, security, having the assurance of heaven, the promise of heaven, and living every day in light of eternity.